0: comprehending God's goodness in a crazy world. Um, Would you agree with me? We live in a crazy world. Whether you you watch the news this week or last week or, you know, it's real easy to say, oh, you know, the world's crazy place. It is a crazy place. If you watched the news a year ago, it was crazy. Two years ago, it was crazy. Like we live in a crazy world. And so I was praying and thinking about how How, you know, Lord, help me to, to think on these, these things that are good. And, and God says, well, I'm good. And, and the world that we live in does not determine God's goodness, but how do we experience God's goodness? How do we live that goodness out so that we can uh, uh, translate that to the people that we interact with every day, to our coworkers, to, to people in our family, comprehending God's goodness in a crazy world. And so you can't, you can't really explore the idea of God's goodness unless you taste and see he's good. Psalms 34 verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So I can talk about being good. But until I get into the word of God. Until I experience the goodness of God in my everyday life. It, it's it's kind of like talking about steak. Anybody love Steak. If you don't eat meat, then think about an eggplant. I don't know what. (laughs) I love steak. I love steak. And we'll talk about the word love in a minute. But I'm just telling you. But you can talk about steak all you want. But until you really sit down with a big, fat, juicy ribeye. Right? Until you you take it, cut it in it, and put it. You can't really experience the goodness of meat. So... I've got a grill going back here, out back, and I've got a steak cooking. So I'm going to go out just for a second. We've got this new technology where you're going to follow me with a, a video camera. Are you ready? And then I'm, gonna, I'm coming back in. Some of you are looking at me like I'm stupid. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? Or are you just hungry? All right, here we go. Ready? Right. So is that on? Oh, I smell that. Let's go out and see how it has cooked. Oh, yeah. Smoke everywhere. Oh, one of my favorite things to do right here. Oh, I think that's ready to eat. What do you guys think? Let's take it back in and see. Here we go. Taste and see the Lord is good. Who's hungry? You think I'm kidding? You thought I was kidding, didn't you? You ready for this? Yeah, you keep laughing. The first service, nobody's hungry. The second service, they're thinking about getting hungry. You guys are starving. That's so good. That is so good. Anybody? That's gross. Yeah. Again, if you don't eat meat, just think eggplant. Eggplant. That is really good. We've had one for each service also, so I've got three steaks to eat this afternoon. Taste and see the Lord's good. And, And so it's a goofy illustration, but the idea behind that being, look, you can't really understand the goodness of something until you experience it, and the world can't really experience the goodness of God except through the church of God, through people who call themselves Christians. And so I'm praying about this message, and, and I, I go over to Hebrews. Uh, I try to read the book of Hebrews once a, once a, um, uh, a quarter. And so, I'm, so I go to the first chapter of Hebrews, and I'm reading and I get through with it. And then I get over, and then the Holy Spirit starts to read the last chapter. All right? So I go to the last chapter, and I start seeing God's goodness all throughout the writer of Hebrews, after everything that's been said in the book of Hebrews gets to a place in the 13th chapter of Hebrews where you just start walking through the goodness of God. So are you ready? Hebrews chapter 13, number one, verses one and two, God's goodness is found in love. Hebrews 1 and two, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing doing So doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Loving. God's goodness is found in his love, his agape love. His love is unconditional. His love is perfect. We have a hard time comprehending God's love because we don't know how to love unconditionally. Our love is always tied to our, our humanity, which our humanity is birthed in sin. And so we're, we're unable to love perfectly, but God's love is agape. It's perfect. It's unconditional. And so you think about this word love. We use the word love a lot, Right? Right? So think about something that you might say later today. I love football. Somebody said, Jesus, quit being so spiritual. (laughs) I love steak. I love Lucky Charms. I love my wife. Not that you and Lucky Charms are like on the same page. Not at all. I love coffee. I love, I love, I love. And so we use this word love a lot. I um, mean, we were joking. I think it was the last service. We used the word love like a lot of people use the word like. Like, uh, like um, you know, like, uh, like, you know, like, like. And then later in the message, I said like, like four times. Yeah. So we're like, oh, you said. No, we, we use the word love about different things in our life. And so much so that at times we dilute. The true meaning of love. God's goodness is found in love. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And in the Bible, I love, I love the humor in the Bible. How many of you have a brother growing up? A sister. Yeah, like you you're love each other like brothers and sisters? Have you ever seen brothers fight? It's awesome, isn't it? I, I remember this. My dad's here this morning. And I tell stories about you almost every week. So don't, don't worry about it. Um, I remember one time we, my brother and I were fighting and we had a living, we had a living room. It was before we took the, the wall down. Remember we busted out there. We had a living room and, and my brother would do things to me just, just to, out of spite, like just to make me cry or whatever. He's three and a half years older than I am. And I remember I had the sandwich. He picked up the sandwich and he licked it. And he didn't lick the bread. He opened it. <laughs> like, he opened the sandwich up, and, uh, and he put it back together. And he, and he said these words. I, I, I kid you not. He goes, Dad said you had to clean your plate. <laughs> yeah. Well, my dad, at the time, was working nights, and so he slept during the day. And if we made a peep, like, we, it was not good. And so I was like, eh. so start. So I picked the sandwich up, and I threw it at my brother. And he was like, you're going to get in trouble, you're going to get in trouble. And so then in perfect dad faction, he comes in, he spanks both of us, right? <laughs> he's, he's like, somebody's got to be wrong here. Come here. <laughs> so, so the humor of the Bible, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. But the idea behind that, there's, there's no one in my life that I would trust more than my brother to stand up for me at a time of need. Does that make, does that make sense? So that brings meaning to that word love. God's goodness is found in love. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. In other words, be nice. Where did the church, when did the church, when did Christians stop being nice? When when, like somebody tell me, when did that happen? Right, when did we get like off on angry street? Like some of the most negative people and, and none of you here, none of you. Some of the most negative people I know have a "Honky, if you love Jesus bumper sticker. They're just, they're mad at everything. They're mad. Like they're, they're the people who count your 10 items in the express lane. I've shared my Publix experience with a lot of you guys before. But it's so funny when I run into some of you at Publix and and I'll just go ahead and set you free. Feel free to do this. Go ahead and look in my basket. How are you, Pastor Jason? I mean, all the time. There's one lady one time I thought she was literally going to reach in my basket and move something out of the way. Anyway, be nice. Do not forget to show, be nice, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. In other words, don't forget to be nice because you never know if that person you're going to be nice to is someone God has bringing across your path that needs to be someone to be nice to them that day. Because your negativity can flow over into another person's life and you may never even know it. But your sweet, sweet spirit that smiles at someone and asks how they're doing definitely flows over into their life. So, so I think we'll get to heaven one day, and I, I can't wait to see which one of you guys are angels. <laughs> Hospitality to angels without knowing it. I know which one of you are devils. <laughs> I'm talking about Angels. So in other words, look, God's goodness is found in love, and if we're going to comprehend God's goodness living in a crazy world, could could at least we start with, with loving people? I mean, it's very simple, but again, the most anointed things are the simple things in the Word of God. Number two, God's goodness leads us to being compassionate. Hebrews thirteen three. continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. God's goodness leads us to being compassionate. How many of you, how many of you don't raise your hand and don't respond in any certain way except to yourself. How many of you are just really good at being compassionate? No. I said, don't raise your hand. I was, no. Like we, some of you have the gift of just being so sweet and so caring and so loving. But for the rest of us, we need this verse right here. Continue to remember those in prison. And so... The goodness of God leads us to being compassionate. I remember about 13 years ago when the passion of the Christ came out, the root word of compassion is passion. God loved us so much, he sent his only son. And the passion of Christ, the passion that Jesus had to please his father in heaven, not his will, but God's will be done. It was that passion that led him to be compassionate upon mankind. Continue to remember those in prison. Now, the word prison right there, you have to, when you read the Bible, you gotta think about the Bible. You just can't read it. And yes, we're talking about a physical place prison. But you know what? You're going to come in contact with people tomorrow in the workplace, in, in your group, whatever, wherever life takes you. You're going to come in contact with people that are living in a prison. Not, not a prison in the sense that there's, they're, they're locked up and incarcerated, but a prison in the sense that they're imprisoned by addiction. They're imprisoned by regret. They're imprisoned by, by the things that they, they've tried to change and they can't change it. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, remember those in prison. In other words, put yourself in someone else's shoes and, and, and remember remember what it was like when you had trouble falling asleep because you had no peace in your life before you met Jesus. Remember what it was like to, to go through relational dysfunction before you met Jesus and before the peace of God flooded your family. As if you were together with them in prison, I put myself in someone else's shoes, which leads me to being compassionate for them. You guys here? Yeah. Did Anthony Anthony said you guys were really awake earlier? (laughs) Just kidding. So, so the idea of compact as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. The goodness of God is found in the people of God. The goodness of God leads us to be compassionate because we've experienced the goodness of God in our life and we want other people to experience that. So we got to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and and stop being so important and so busy. The Good Samaritan, right? No matter if you ever read the Bible or not, everyone knows the term, the Good Samaritan, right? Even Seinfeld. Remember Remember the last episode, Seinfeld? Some of you guys could... Does anybody, remember? Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld? It was a TV show? like it was, Okay. There's a good Samaritan law. Everybody knows about the good Samaritan, but here's the thing about the good Samaritan. To, to be a good Samaritan, to be Christ-like, you have to get off your horse. You have to get down in the ditch. You have to be willing to give of your resource to bind up someone's wounds, to take them somewhere, to, to spend time, to spend money. And, and we can't do that if we're so important. That's what that story teaches us. That story teaches us about the religious people and about the government who were too busy to help this Samaritan that was left for dead in a ditch. And then here here, here comes the good Samaritan and is willing to do what no one else was willing to do to help this person who had been beaten. That takes time. That takes resource. Above all, it takes caring. Are we a compassionate people? Because the world's looking for goodness. Can they find it in us? It's a great question, isn't it? If you yourselves were suffering, I think about suffering, I think about the flu. Anybody had the flu lately? Not today, lately. Yeah, over the past. The flu is terrible, isn't it? Okay, anybody had the stomach flu lately? Don't raise your, yeah, ooh, that's right. Yeah, hugging the toilet. Oh, God, kill me now. the, The times that I've been blessed enough to have the flu... I look at someone else who says, Oh, I'm sick. I got the flu. And if you've had it lately, you look back and you go, Oh my, can I bring you something? Can I do anything for you? Cause I know what you're going through right now. So do we look at everyday life like that with a society that's like, you know what? Someone needs to care for these people. And that's where the goodness of God is found comprehending the goodness of God in a crazy world. Number three, God's goodness brings contentment and confidence. Verse 5 of Hebrews 13, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So stop on verse 5 right there before we get to verse 6. God's goodness brings contentment. When I realize how good God is to me, I'm content with my life. Our society, our culture teaches us to not be content, doesn't it? I mean, be honest with yourself. When you see someone pull up in the church parking lot in a brand new car, what's your first thought? <laughs> Must be nice. But, but why don't you crank your car and, and go, God, thank you for the air conditioning that still works on one knob. <laughs> right? Contentment keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I can be content in the goodness of God because I have a God that loved me so much he sent his only son to die for me and I can be content with who God created me to be. I, I can be content in what God's given me for today instead of worrying about tomorrow. For It does no good to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. So, can I be content with the way I look? Can I be content with the things I have? Can I be content with what I drive? Can I be content? And this world throws things at you so fast that you don't, you're not taught to be content. You just, no, 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 content, 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 content. No, I'm not content. I got to have more. I got to do this. I got to do that. Instead of, as a child of God, going, man, he's never going to leave me, he's never going to forsake me. He's a good, good father. That's who he is, right? He's good, and we can rest in that. So contentment, I love being around people who are at peace with themselves. Don't you love people like that? They're, they're super at peace with themselves. And, and things can be going crazy around them, but they're like, you know what? I'm content with who I am. That type of person, it breeds confidence. So verse six says this. So we say with confidence the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? In other words, I'm content with who God created me to be. I'm content with learning His Word. I'm content with being all that He has for me to be through the Scripture, the Holy Scripture. And so that breeds in itself confidence. Because if you ever hang around people who are content with what they have, there's an air of confidence about them. And it's not prideful confidence, it's just I'm good. I'm good with with what God's done in my... I'm, I'm good. I'm content. Paul talks a lot about this throughout the New Testament. And then you get to, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? In other words, look, you didn't do something to help me out of my sin situation. And you can't do anything to condemn me in my sin situation. God did that for me by sending Jesus. So what can you do to me? What can mere mortals do? And so there's a contentment that breeds confidence when we live every day of our life knowing what God has done for us what he will has done is doing and will do he will never leave us or forsake us he's our helper he is our helper next thing god's goodness gives strength through grace hebrews 13:7 through 9 remember your leaders who spoke the word of god do you consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith verse 8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. So we, the goodness of God, go back to the point, Kim, and... and The goodness of God gives strength through grace. So this idea of grace is counterculture to the way we're raised because grace is something, it's a grace is given to us. It's a gift. You can't do anything to earn grace. Grace is a free gift through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. But we're not raised that way, are we? Right? I mean, some idiot somewhere along the way came up with this idea called a report card. And for the, right? and so if you have kids and they go to school, they get a report card, right? Which all kids would say, you know, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. But, and so you're raised, and your parents say things like, "Look, if you get a certain grade, you're going to get a reward," right? And, and some school is easier for some people than it is others. And so you know, for me, above a D was good land. It was really good. I can remember my dad going, look, you gotta bring that grade up, dude. He's like, you gotta work with me here. And if you do, I'm gonna do this. I've shared the uh, the Chinese buffet story with you before. Remember that one? Yeah, my dad said, Look, yeah, we went out to eat that night because I got a C. (laughs) My dad was smart enough to realize that a C plus was like an A plus for some people that are really smart. But we're taught at an early age of you gotta earn rewards and you have to earn this or earn that. And if we're not careful, that flows over into the spirituality of what we call Christianity. And we're taught, and somewhere along the way, we get off into works outside of faith. And we think there's this cosmic scoreboard up there in heaven somewhere where God's keeping score. And and somehow, some way, we have to be good enough to earn God's grace. And at the end of the book of Hebrews, the writer's saying, listen... Remember all these things and yes, imitate their faith, but strengthen your heart through the grace of God. In other words, on your best day, you're not good enough. On your worst day, you're not bad enough. It's the grace of God that has brought salvation to mankind. We're justified in the eyes of God through faith in Jesus and by which now we stand in this grace. Now, we can't camp out in Graceland. Graceland. I'm from Memphis. You can't camp out in Graceland. Yes, we imitate our forefathers. Yes, we read this book. And yes, we try to adhere to the the principles and the scriptures in this book. Yes, we raise our families in reference to this book. Yes, we live every day of our life trying to live up to the standards of this book. But at the end of the day, we can't strengthen our own self in our own might. We strengthen ourselves through the grace of God. That's good news. I mean, that, if you've never said amen in your life, you should say amen right there. <laughs> Somebody wake up and say amen. Hallelujah. That's, that's great news. And again, that doesn't give warrant to do whatever we want to do and just think that God's good. No, it's a process. We're working this thing out, but we strengthen ourselves. We strengthen ourselves in the grace of God. Let your hearts be strengthened in the grace of God. So today... If you're living in regret today, if you're living, uh, you know, and you're your all, the, all the time living in your past and you're like, oh, oh, I wish I could change that. I wish I could change that. You can't change yesterday. Did you know that? Like there, there, there's no time machine to go back to yesterday. It's yesterday. You can change today and you can strengthen yourself in the grace of God and you can allow the grace of God to give fuel to you being who God called you to be. Strengthen your heart by the grace of God. The goodness of God is found in the grace of God, through the grace of God. Last thing. God's goodness is forever. Hebrews 13, 11 through 14. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Now, you got to understand this. You have to understand that the writer of Hebrews, all through the book of Hebrews, has been talking about the law, he's been talking about the old order, he's been talking about sacrifice, he's been talking about the high priest, he's been talking about how religious that you had to do you sacrifice this animal, and they take the animal outside the city gates because the animal was unclean, but they shed the blood. And so it's drawing this parallel all the way to the point where the grace of God is found in Jesus Christ and now it says towards the, the end of Hebrews let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore for a week. here we do not have an enduring city but we are looking for the city that is to come so what religion was not able to do God did through his own son Jesus Christ and so now Jesus, in, in, in the line of the high priest, became the high priest and fulfilled every letter of the law. For he did not come to abolish the law, but so, so that the law could be made alive. And so here now Jesus comes on the scene, does what no other man could do, and gives himself blameless, spotless to humanity for our sin. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, let's go to him. He was crucified outside the city gates on that hill. Let's go to him. For when we go to him, we finally realize that this, this whole life that is sold to us on a silver platter at times isn't reality. Reality is eternity. Reality is eternity. And and it's so hard, listen to me, listen. I, I've not said this in any service just yet, so it's for somebody in this room, hopefully. It's so hard in the way that we're taught to live, in the way we live every day of our life, to think about eternity. Right? I mean, yeah, you got to go to school and then you go to college and you get a degree and you get a job and you buy a house and you buy a bigger house and all those things are great. But if we're not careful, we don't, we, we view life as the enduring factor instead of viewing eternity as the city that never goes away. We've talked about before. Remember the series we did about, we, we have a, we have a home. We have a home that's built on the cornerstone in heaven. Like I, my name is on a house in heaven. Like, in, and I'm, I'm believing for HD, 3D. I'm believing like a theater room. I want a theater room and I want to watch the whole Bible. Now, you with me? Maybe you with me? Yeah, I want to watch the whole Bible in my theater room. I'm just kidding because heaven's going to be so awesome that that's not even going to make sense. But eternity is for real. And the goodness of God is found in forever in forever Raina bought me this sign and it, and it hangs in her house you are my happily ever after is that what it says? yeah you are my happily ever after it says something like that okay here yeah. eternity is for real the goodness of God is found in forever what do we do with that? We can't relegate that to just Sunday. We can't relegate that that to just as part of our faith. It is our faith. It it is our faith. When everything shakes down and the world goes crazy, what really matters? Faith endures. And so we have this idea of the goodness of God is found in forever. Eternity is a very real thing. And you got to do something with that. You have to do something with that because if you want to talk about comprehending the goodness of God in a crazy world You have to talk about eternity because that I mean that's the payoff Right that, that it is what it is. We're all going to die. I hope that doesn't discourage any of you. We all die It happens And if you believe this bible, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere Because our spirit's going to keep living And my Bible says that we're justified in the eyes of God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. No one can put your faith in Jesus for you. No one can. Only you can do that. Comprehending the goodness of God in a crazy world has to land you somewhere near eternity. It really does. And so, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Maybe you're like several people in the first and second services who said, you know what? I feel God knocking on my heart. I need to be saved. I need to know that I know. I need to put my faith in Jesus. Salvation is a faith issue. Salvation, in reference to this, this book, is about you putting your faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Believing that he was born of a virgin. Believing, confessing in your heart that he lived a sinless life. Confessing in your heart that he took your death, our death and sin on the cross confessing in your heart that you believe he was placed in a grave and confessing in your heart that you believe he rose from that grave on the third day and he's coming back one day that that's what Raina was talking about what a, what a wonderful good thing salvation is and every once in a while it's good for us to remember how blessed we are to be given a measure of faith and to be able to decide what we want to do with that faith that's what salvation is about it's not overcomplicated. We've tried to overcomplicate. It's not really. It's about you putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you done that to a point where you know that you know that this this life that we're living is not the city that endures forever, that there, there's a city to come that endures forever? Hey, that's good news. It's so, and the world needs to hear that. Goodness of God is found in forever. Would you bow your head all over this place? Say, Jason, that's me. That is me, You've just, you're just, you talking right to me right now. God's knocking on the door of my heart. If that's you and you know that you need a fresh start, you need a starting point, you need, a, you need a, a revival in your own heart of salvation. If that's you and you at this very moment, you're recognizing that you want to put your faith in Jesus. Every head's bowed, nobody's moving around, nobody's looking around. It's between you and God. If, if that's you, would you just wave at me real quick and put your hand right back down? Just lift your hand long enough for me to see. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. Thanks. Awesome. Anybody else say, you know what? I, yeah, I see your hand. That's so cool. Anyone else say, I need to, I see your hand. Wow. Wow. I see your hand. God, more importantly, God sees it. I say, thank you. Yeah, I see your hand. Just by virtue of you doing that, the Bible says that you're being made into a new creation right now. It's a faith element. Nothing magical about this prayer, but I want to lead you in a prayer. When we're done today, go out to the tent and grab a Bible. It's free. Grab a devotion. Get hooked up with some people that can help you uh, in the new year. We'll get you in a class, maybe a life group. If you're not comfortable doing that, email the church. A pastor will get back with you. Please, please, please allow us to be part of rejoicing in your decision for Christ but right there where you're sitting right now pray this prayer with me father thank you for loving me thank you for chasing me and thank you that I'm in this chair today and thank you that I know in my heart that you're dealing with me right now and I'm confessing I believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah I believe in my heart he was born of a virgin I believe he lived a sinless life I believe he took my death and sin on the cross I believe in my heart right now that he was crucified for me, that he was placed in a grave and he rose from that grave on the third day, I believe with all of my heart he's coming back for me one day. And so right now, God, let your love and your grace and your mercy flood my soul. Thank you for a new start. Thank you for a new beginning. Help help me, God, to have the boldness to get people around me to help me in this new journey. But most of all, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness in my life. In Jesus' name, Amen.